The Bible Study Podcast, episode 132. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Luke with Luke chapter 19. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. With this chapter, we start the last week of Jesus' public ministry. This begins with Palm Sunday, a triumphal entry into Jerusalem, in verse 28 of chapter 19. After Jesus had said this, he went on his way, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Tell him, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, the owners asked, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. He went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now is hidden from your eyes, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children, within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. So I see three major themes in this part of the chapter. One is the triumphal entry of Jesus, Jesus as king, coming and being received by the people of the city as the one who has been doing all these miracles, coming and being received as king. Now, of course, a lot of things will change during the course of this week, and it's interesting to wonder what people were expecting at this point. I think some were definitely expecting that Jesus would come and he would kick out the Romans, and there were probably a number of different expectations. And in the midst of this, the Pharisees say, tell your disciples to stop. Tell your disciples not to say this. And the Pharisees, one thing that they would be worrying about at least, is they are coming into the city of Jerusalem saying that a king is coming. Remember that this is a city that is ruled by others. It is ruled by the Romans. And so this could easily be seen as a political act and an illegal act. And so they say, tell your disciples to keep quiet. And Jesus has that evocative phrase that if they were to keep silent, the stones themselves would cry out. Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and all will know it eventually. And this was as close as Jesus came in his earthly ministry to that truth being proclaimed. And as Jesus approaches Jerusalem, he prophesies against it. He says, if you'd only realized what you were receiving today, if you'd only realized who you were receiving, basically, Because the destruction of Jerusalem is coming, and as Jesus stands there, he sees the destruction of Jerusalem, a terrible slaughter of people when Jerusalem rebels against the Romans, and the Romans attempt to leave not one stone lying on another, and send the people who survive into exile. 
And Jesus says, it's because they did not receive him on this day. And Jesus goes immediately from this triumphal entry to the temple, not to kick out the Romans, but someone else. So we continue, Then he entered the temple area and began driving out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, My house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find a way to do it, because all the people hung on his words." We sometimes get this picture of Jesus, the Jesus who asked the little children to be let to come to him as this peaceful Sunday school Jesus. And that is not the Jesus here at the end of chapter 19 of Luke. This is a Jesus who drives out a group of people, certainly more numerous than him, from the temple because he comes with power and authority. And he drives them out of the temple. And even the chief priests and elders are afraid to confront him Because this crowd around him is waiting to see what he will do and is hanging on his words. We continue on in Luke 20. One day as he was teaching the people in the temple courts and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the teachers of the law together with the elders came up to him. Tell us by what authority you are doing these things and who gave you this authority. He replied, I will ask you a question. Tell me, John's baptism, was it from heaven or from men? They discussed it among themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, Why didn't you believe him? But if we say from men, all the people will stone us, because they are persuaded that John was a prophet. So they answered, We do not know where it came from. Jesus said, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. Jesus again avoided that direct question here. And we'll see why when Jesus does answer that question directly later on in this week, It'll be a different circumstance. It'll be a different situation. But he continues to teach, and he continues to teach by telling the parable of the tenants. He went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it out to some farmers, and went away for a long time. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants so they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one also they beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He sent a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my son, whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked this matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, May this never be. Jesus looked directly at them and asked, Then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. The teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately, because they knew he had spoken this parable against them, but they were afraid of the people. Jesus is basically telling a story of the Bible in different words. The vineyard would be his people, and he sent prophets, he sent servants who were mistreated, as the prophets from the Old Testament were, and finally he sends the son he loves, and he is going to be taken and killed. 
And Jesus prophesies again and says, did you not read in the Old Testament, basically, where it says in Psalm 118, and Psalm 118 is also the verse that says, blessed is the he who comes in the name of the Lord. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The builders in this case, the chief priests and the elders, those who are the religious leaders, they reject this, and yet the capstone, that upon which everything is built. And so immediately, the chief priests and the elders, if they could have arrested him at this point, if the crowds would just go away, then Jesus would find himself arrested. So they try and drive the crowds away. They try and drive a wedge between Jesus and the crowds by asking this question. Keeping a close watch on him, they sent spies who pretended to be honest. They hoped to catch Jesus in something he said so that they might hand him over to the power and authority of the governor. So the spies questioned him, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right, and that you do not show partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? He saw through their duplicity and said, Show me a denarius, whose portrait and inscription are on it. Caesar's, they replied. He said to them, Then give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. They were unable to trap him in what he had said there in public, and astonished by his answer, they became silent. Some of the Sadducees, who say that there is no resurrection, came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and have children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died childless. The second and then the third married her. In the same way, the seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died too. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be, since the seven were married to her? This is a little bit like the question of how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. It is a rhetorical problem and not really an important one. And Jesus replies, The people of this age married and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in that age and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children since they are children of the resurrection. But in the count of the bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise, for he called the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. Some of the teachers of the law responded, Well said, teacher, and no one dared ask him any more questions. The Sadducees, because they believe only in the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers, don't in fact believe in the resurrection of the dead. And so they try and trip up Jesus by forming some question that to them is proof that there is no resurrection of the dead. And Jesus says, your understanding is incorrect. Now, my guess, and this is just a guess the scriptures don't say, is that being that close to one person in this life, in these bodies, with the sin that is rampant among us is so hard. But in heaven, with sin dealt with, Marriage is no longer necessary in the sense that we can be closer to God and to others. But that's just a guess. And finally, to close off this chapter, then Jesus said to them, How is it that they say that Christ is the son of David? David himself declares in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool to your feet. David calls him Lord. How then can he be his son? While all the people were listening, Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of the teachers of the law. 
They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogue and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses. For a show, make lengthy prayers. Such men will be punished most severely. So Jesus comes back to them with a question that basically challenges their understanding. And, but really, the punchline of this is this beware the teachers of the law. Jesus is not looking for those who make their religion their show, who use their religion to be popular, who use their religion to be powerful, and says instead that these people will be dealt with harshly. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. We'll continue next week with more of Holy Week. And if you have any questions, feel free to drop an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working everything out for my good. Help me trust in your perfect plan. Amen. Father, thank you for loving and caring for me. With Christian prayer meditation, you can pray along to prayers based on specific topics. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Christian prayer meditation. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com. Dot com.